ladies and gentlemen. At this time, I'd like to welcome you all back to the discussion for Southern Alberta's Council on Public Affairs. Um, I'd like to remind you that next week's topic is, Has Christmas Been Hijacked by Santa Claus? As presented by Trudy Govier and Rosis... Sorry, I'm going to butcher this. Rositsa Yalamova. Um, all upcoming session information is available online at www.sacpa.ca. And you can also listen to audio tracks from past sessions and contribute to the online blog so the discussion continues. In the lobby, there is a suggestion box for your use. Please provide comments or complaints on today's session so SACPA can continue to make itself better. And now back to our discussion on historic buildings and their conservation in Lethbridge. Please welcome back Belinda Croson and Jean Johnston. Thank you. We will invite you to ask questions with the microphone provided. Um, keep your questions short and concise so others may have a chance to speak. And once you finish your question, we ask that you please return, return to your seat. Um, for the sake of time, we will only accept questions posed from the microphone. Thank you very much. Uh, <clears throat> is this on? I don't think it is yet. Is it on? Yes, it is. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank both of you for a, a very interesting presentation. It's really good to find out what kind of things are both available, to find out that the city of Lethbridge actually has someone who's interested in historic buildings. I hope he has more power than the engineers. Um, my biggest concern is the Bowman Arts Center. Uh, partly because I've been going there for 41 years and working there. And I had city engineer tell me that the crack that goes from the top to the bottom on the southwest corner of that building, and this is about at least six to eight years ago, that they've been monitoring it for 18 years at that point. But they have done nothing to preserve the building and... And, and it's a designated historic building, and I'm wondering how we can get the city, which owns the building, to take responsibility for the upkeep of that building. I'd like to introduce <laughs> Graham Woods. I'd like you not to put him on the spot so much, but <laughs> he's the str strategic initiatives coordinator for the city of Lethbridge. He's not the safety person or the person who works on buildings, but he's my inside guy for heritage advisory committee designations. Graham. Great. Uh, thanks, Jean. Um, so I'm not going to be able to answer your question uh, probably wholly, um, but the, the Bowman has been in a bit of a holding pattern um, with the development of the arts building uh, that will open in about a year from now. Uh, the Bowman will become vacant, and I think that a lot of the uh, activity around the Bowman will start to happen then. So it, it, uh, the, the city is well aware of its condition. We've met um, uh, some of the meetings that I've been part of uh, with the infrastructure guys at the city and uh, um, some representatives from the province to figure out some of the options. Um, the building is a good building. Um, the, I think the issue is that part of the foundation is made out of sandstone. And it becomes quite difficult to do sandstone work 
uh, at least in kind. And so there is a bit of a plan um, to try to figure out if uh, the sandstone itself, if it can be replaced with sandstone or has to have some other uh, alternative way of of being restored, but I, I don't think that, that that building's at risk, I think, if that's what your concern is. So I know I didn't fully answer your question, but uh, to the extent that I can, um, that's that's the best I can do. Thanks. <laughs> and as a, a historic site, it has to have provincial input when they do all of these things, so you can imagine uh, the problems. Next question. My name is Van Christou, and if I may, I'd like to preface my remarks by thanking you ladies for doing such an excellent job. Uh, on, a, on an important topic in this community, uh, Lethbridge, I think, re requires this kind of attention more than most cities because we didn't have the auspicious, wealthy foundation that many cities had in having really expensive and very permanent buildings built from the beginning. We really didn't get very much of that. Uh, you see much more of that in Calgary and Edmonton and other cities on the prairies. But in spite of that, these, as you pointed out, uh, these buildings are extremely important to our, to our history and should be maintained. And it's, it's such a pity that that Chinese building was not retained, even though it was not a very well-built building. Um, my, the the uh, speaker just before me mentioned the Bowman School. I can't sit down before mentioning that I started grade one at Bowman School in 1931. Spent eight years going to it every day, and I uh, have been using it ever since then, and I'm so pleased that uh, you can, uh, we can figure out the, ca the uh, mathematics there. That's what? That's uh, 80 years that I've been using that building. And uh, I'm so delighted that the Allied Arts Council did the work that they did at that time to put pressure on the city council not to demolish that building. That was stated for demolition the way that Central was. And uh, it has served us so well in the meantime. But over and above that, the history is so important. And the question, my questions, uh, after all this long preface, is, is the Lethbridge Foundation at all committed to this work? Uh, what do you mean, the Lethbridge Foundation, please? The, the Lethbridge Foundation, which uh, uh, gathers money from donors to do important civic projects. Oh, the community found, oh, Lethbridge Community the Foundation. The Community Foundation. Okay. I don't know. I can't are, are they uh, cognizant of this and supportive of it? I don't know. We're looking at each other because neither one of us has spoken to them about it, but I imagine it would be like anything if a, uh, um, a grant application went into them, it would be something I would assume they would fund. But I don't think anybody has looked to them for funding on these sort of projects. Um, I was just joking at lunch that I'd like to also set up a scholarship for um, heritage um, masons because we need more people who know how to fix these old buildings. So maybe that's what we can look to somebody like the Community Foundation to do is to, we'll do like Northern Exposure. We'll pay for their education, but they have to come work in Lethbridge. And maybe there's a grant for Community Foundation. Um, I'd like to join the previous speakers in thanking you for a very informative talk and uh, um, for the work that you... Oh, my name is Francis Nerona, and I was, as I was saying, uh, for the awareness that you're creating of uh, um, the need to protect our historic buildings. Um, the, I was interested to see that the very first slide that you put on 
was of St. Patrick's Church. And uh, um, most people know here that it's located on 4th Avenue South across the road from the city hall. Um, as some of you in this room are aware, the future of this beautiful church is uh, uncertain at present. It has been shuttered by the order of the Bishop of Calgary, uh, Bishop Fred Frederick Henry, since August the 1st of this year, over four months ago and counting. Bishop Henry is prepared to save St. Patrick's, and those are his words, that he's prepared to save St. Patrick's if the parishioners accept the conversion of the basement into a columbarium. Now, this would take away the gathering space of the church, and it would cease to function as a regular church. But many parishioners opposed this proposal, and the bishop took the punitive measure of shuttering the church. Bishop Henry has made it amply clear that his, if he has his way, St. Patrick's, St. Basil's, and Our Lady of the Assumption churches will all three be sold for approximately $3 million to help finance a new 1,200-seat, $21 million church on the Coots Highway. <laughs> Many parishioners are opposed to selling the three perfectly viable neighborhood churches Sorry, for a church sir, that's could not you, needed. Could you please get to a question? Yes, I Thank shall. Thank you. Um, my question is this. Is there any legal way that the bishop can be prevented from selling historic St. Patrick's Church, which would be a great loss not just to the parishioners of All Saints Parish, but also to all citizens of Lethbridge? I'll start. You know, all of us may like to speak to it, but uh, we, we have tried, and it, it's the owner has the final word. And I know that Lethbridge Diocese used to be separate, but now it's part of the Calgary Diocese, and Bishop Henry has the uh, yes or no. And it, it, it just cannot happen because of the owner. We can't force that. But if it's sold and the new owner wants designation, we would be most happy to do that. In fact, the Heritage Advisory Committee has already uh, a statement of significance about that building, and it's located in our inventory. So it's one of our most important buildings, and we recognize that. But our hands are tied at this time. Do you want to say It is, as we were saying earlier, it is based on the owners. We do a lot of advocacy, and I know most of you are aware that I, we've written letters to the bishop. Um, we are tied within the system that we have, and you can talk to the, you know, the minister and things like that, but mostly they will resort back to whatever the owner wants is what goes. Um, in other municipalities or in other places, they have been able to do it against the owner, but it's very, very, very rare. Graham, did you want to say anything? Are we okay? okay. Uh, maybe I'll just uh, add a little bit to those comments in that. Um, thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the, the city uh, would consider, uh, the Heritage Advisory Committee would consider that an excellent historic resource. Uh, the work has been done from our perspective to, to sort of be designation ready. Um, the owner has said uh, they're not at all interested. And from a historic building perspective, a change in ownership would be the best thing to happen to save that building. The, I think, though, that, that some of the people who feel strongest about saving that building um, 
are the are the parishioners there, and if it was sold, it would lose some of its value to them. So uh, it's easy for us to say, uh, yeah, we'll designate it, but but I think to the people who care the most, that would be sort of a, a small victory um, under its current situation. So. All right, at this juncture, I'd like to remind everyone to please keep their comments short and concise so we can get as many people through as possible. Thank you. Hi, my name is Henning Mundel. <clears throat> and talking about heritage building, historical buildings, I think 50 years is the deadline, uh, the time you took 50 and over. And there's an underlying assumption that we're talking about something that would be desirable. Now, I somehow wish, and I want your input into this, that perhaps, I like your term, this adaptive reuse, that w that the, uh, structure that's in the 30 to 50 year range could be through adaptive reuse gotten rid of, namely the atrium. <laughs> it's only a superstructure, so it can go. <laughs> I wish that what was there before was still there. And uh, I'd be happy to save it, but not, not, not to slabs of cement, no. <laughs> I want to just add a little bit. Calgary doesn't have 50 years. Calgary can designate anything. They can be built yesterday and be designated. So um, Edmonton has, Lethbridge has. So that 50 years is in some designation, but not all. The difficulty with the 50-year designation, um, the TELUS building in Edmonton was like 47, and everybody was waiting for it to turn 50 because they wanted to designate it. Well, that means the owner knew they had to knock it down within three years so they wouldn't have to deal with any issues. And so sometimes that 50-year works against. And sometimes there are buildings that we know as soon as it's going up, it's going to be an important building. Um, it is hard sometimes for historians because we like the older stuff. But there are some beautiful modernist buildings in Lethbridge that are right around that 50-year zone that we've got to keep an eye on as well. Um, and so it's, there's some beautiful new buildings coming up into that area. Um, so I'll just uh, add a little again. Um, the City of Lethbridge doesn't have a 50-year rule. It, it is a, a very strong guideline that we would f that we follow um, in certain circumstances, uh, and there is one in front of us now that we would consider the designation of a property less than 50 years old. Um, uh, one of the benefits of designation locally is that you have access to some grants at the provincial level to help maintain the building. And so even if we protect a building that's, let's say, is 47 years old, uh, they'll still have to wait their three years to get in the queue uh, at the province. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. We would consider it. Um, uh, we haven't yet ha actually had to make a decision uh, on a building less than 50 years old. But, but 50 years is a good number. Uh, uh, a good target anyways um, when we're considering these. And buildings usually do stand up for 50 years without us worrying about them, but not in all cases, of course. Good afternoon. My, my name is Gordon Campbell. Thank you both for a most lucid and, and uh, helpful organized presentation. Thank you for the work you're doing on behalf of us all. Uh, I want to ask you a question in, in the context of culture uh, rather than construction and dollars. I want to say, first of all, that I was not able to get to the public meetings, so I feel a bit vulnerable for not doing my share. However, 
it seems to me that it's true. Without vision, people perish. The Chinese paid a very significant place and role in the history of our company, in the railroad, for example. And in my home, my father was a plumber, and he was responsible to the Chinese gardeners around Medicine Hat to raise vegetables for us all. And they were charged an exorbitant fee that they couldn't quite meet, and he went to the city council to, on their behalf to ask for a, a, a supplementary assistance in gas and water to raise the gardens. As a result of that, we got, at Christmas time, silks and ginger from their wives in, in China. And my history is of Christmas time, silks and ginger coming. Well, I could give you many more. Um, for example, one more. I taught school in Picture Butte, and it was lonely at night. Sir, do you have a question? Uh, Maybe. I'm sorry? <laughs> do you have a question? Yeah, I do. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I went to the restaurant in the evening. Nobody was there except the Chinese owner. He couldn't speak English. He couldn't speak. I couldn't speak Chinese. We sat and looked at each other. We were huge, huge human beings on the prairies at night, and then I went home. So there was some company. I was raised in that context of culture. There are days when the teachers are wanting to bring their children, school children, down to that site and say, here, the oldest building in Lethbridge, I think, isn't it? 100 years. You see, here is the building, that part of the history that we're teaching right now. Couldn't we have found some way to keep that building in restoration? Was it money? Was it the lack of foresight? Or... Or what was the basic reason that we couldn't find a way of keeping that sure. building alive? Come. I'll start. I'll start. Basically, it is money. It came down to that. But I think if I, if I thought about that building, it, the people that owned it, it was a group of people, are, are now I think 15 of them left of, of that uh, side of the street. We're talking about the Chinese... Uh, national building, they probably didn't have much upkeep in the building. So therefore, it gradually deteriorated. And they, they just were not wealthy enough to, to keep it. And they didn't have maybe the language skills, as you say, or the, or the knowledge of how to tap into some provincial money. And then when the, uh, the fa facade fell off, it was just a, a symptom of the rest of the building, and when an engineer had a look at it, it was very dangerous. He said, I'll get out of here. It's going to cost at least $500,000 to repair. The insurance company weren't having any part of that. They were just fix the facade because that's what fell down. But it was more than that. It was the whole, the whole building was in trouble. So, yes, it did come down to money, and they couldn't raise enough money. The province would be good for 100000 125000 maybe two hundred, two hundred and fifty if we match that. But where does the other 250000 come from? We didn't have a fairy godfather. If we stopped some wars someplace, it could come from there. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Come on. I just want to add one thing. And sometimes it's easy to say you should write a grant. 
Um, not always people know how to write a grant. Right? Those documents sometimes are a little bit long, confusing, um, and then, you know maybe even offering people knowledge and classes on how to write some of those grants. Because I look at some application forms and I go, you know, I've got university and I don't know what they're asking. And so sometimes it might be difficult in that respect as well. So I think in different ways we left the ball drop on that building. Irma. As you can tell, Jean knows who I am. <laughs> uh, my name is Irma Dogtrum. And uh, what I would really just like to ask is, is there a, a general feeling in Lethbridge about the number eight mine? The number eight mine is the best remaining results of a mine anywhere in Canada, not just Lethbridge. Mining is the very basis for Lethbridge's existence. What can we do as a general public to help to preserve that property? I can give you my opinion. <laughs> well, I understand that in 2017, we're going to be having a, another Canada Centennial. And usually, uh, yes, usually the, the, the government of the day provides some money to big projects, and this is one big project. But I believe it needs a separate large committee, a, a, a community committee, to be formed in order to tap into those funds and to possibly do something with it. It's a privately owned, as we, Irma, we know, it's owned by the Bonnerts. It's an industrial site. We can't do anything about designation. We have it on our list of inventory of important places, but, and wonderful photographs of it. And there's, I think, if some of you don't know, there's about 25 buildings there of brick that are sitting there just dying. But it's a big, huge fund that would need to save that place. It could be a park with some buildings, but how do you do that? And we have to have somebody else own it because the Bonnerts are not, would like to sell it. Dempsey. Well, I just wanted to comment that Belinda's letter in the paper the other day I thought was very good. It said, what are we doing about it? <laughs> First of all, I thank you to Belinda, who has done many field trips with my children and is keeping, trying to instill a love of Lethbridge. <laughs> and I think that's what this meeting comes down to. And I am very young here in this group, but I'm glad I'm here to let you know that people my age do care. Sadly, I, I sleep with the engineer who declared the Chinese National Be Building unsafe. He's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we shed many tears over what happened. Yeah. He, has, he does not work for the city. He was hired by the Chinese National League, and it killed him. Uh, he loves history. It was not safe. And what kills us as a family even more that it came down to money um, that could not save it. It is a very important part of our history. And to erase that, it saddens me immensely. So my question, I will cut to that, is I know you guys, your purpose as the historical society is to prevent this from happening again. And what can I 
my husband as an engineer and me as an advocate for history do to help ensure that these buildings that architecturally, eh, but historically, they yeah. are priceless That's due to health. Are we doing stuff to go in with these certain buildings that are going to follow the same suit as the Chinese National League to make sure we don't end up to they get to this point? Either one. I think just saying what you said, but saying it's more of our politicians would be a big part of it. Um, <laughs> I know. Everybody well, loves writing it. letters. If, if we have this thing to save buildings, where were they with the Chinese National League? Where we can put $40 million into an NMAX but we couldn't give 400000 to something that means more to our society than 100 NMAXs. And I know, I, thank you. And I, and I know we have some people from the city here, and that's fine, but it's not the right people from the city, and I know it's the politician side. But what can I do to help the, the historical society? You know, one of the things we were talking, we need people with social media skill because um, you look at our membership, you look at people here, we aren't reaching the young people. We do need Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Yep. Uh, we need researchers. We need people who are willing to pick up a phone and call. We need all of that sort of thing. Um, and it's, you know, there's a role for everybody. Uh, but talk, yeah, talk to me afterwards. I can give you 10 jobs to choose from. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> that, that's payback for teaching my kids on field trips. So, anyways, thank you for what you do. Thank you. And I will give you my name and my husband's. <laughs> Come on. Uh, thanks very much for bringing up your subject today. As a sometime historian, I would like to say that there is more to life than history. In any case, you did make some remarks a little while ago about the attempt for a national trust, and then you kind of cut off your remarks. What happened to that endeavor? We certainly know that in other places in the world that has been a very significant uh, phenomenon. I'll let Belinda answer that, except that politics happen in the middle of those, those trusts, and uh, governments change and funding changes. I know that's part of it. Yeah, my shorter answer, answer is usually Canadian compromise that created nothing useful. Um, <laughs> uh, because we didn't push it far enough. We gave the advocacy role to Heritage Canada. We gave the money and the ability to designate to Parks Canada. But there isn't one group. Parks Canada is too closely linked to the government to speak out against them. I mean, they are all government employees. And Heritage Canada has the passion and the knowledge, but doesn't have any ability to do anything. Uh, Heritage Canada, if you see their marketing stuff, they do say the National Trust for Canada, and I know that's one of the things they'd love to do. But again, this needs to have political action right across the country to get them from calling themselves a National Trust to actually being a National Trust. And this has been on the back burner since the 70s. That's sort of where things went down the, the twin path. Um, and... I'm not sure. I think it needs to be just, again, a lot of people going, why are we falling behind the U.S. and Britain and everybody else? Uh, question, are any of you addressing the question of the politics of this? Uh, you've talked a lot about preservation, the costs, and so on. But clearly you keep touching on that every once in a while, and that's the politics of this. 
Um, in, I, as my hat with the Historical Society of Alberta, uh, this week alone I'm sending out letters to about six MLAs and the mayor of Calgary about a building in Calgary, the Barron's Building. Um, I, we do all that sort of advocacy role. Um, and so there's a lot of that sort of stuff. We speak to Alberta Historic Resources. Um, but because of the role of the Historical Society, it is mostly advocacy. That's why it's nice to work with places like Calgary Heritage Initiative who are saying the same things but say it much more in a, in a different way and more vocally. Um, so there's, there's the two different things they were just presenting to Alberta Historic Resources this past week about what we can do. So there is a lot of talking to politicians, but we need to ramp it up a lot. All right, we have time for one more question, and that will be all. Hi, Anine Vonkeman. Um, could you please tell me when something is designated by the province or by the city, is there money available from both those groups to support the uh, designation and the owners? And if there is, what is that money used for, and is there training, and is there s general support? I'm going to let Graham answer that because he is the, the one to, to go to. If you have an, uh, a property uh, today even and you want to talk about it, it Graham would be the fellow to, uh, to contact. So there is funding uh, from the province for the sites that they have protected uh, and the same funding is available to the sites that we protect. So... Uh, you could think of a municipal designation as sort of the doorway into accessing provincial funds. You can't get them without our designation. And our uh, processes are set up in a way that qualifies uh, the local properties to access that money. Uh, as of today, uh, the money that is available is up to $50,000, up to twice a year, so, so potentially $100,000 a year in matching funds. And... Um, if, if you were the owner of a small house that, that was protected, that would seem like a massive amount of money, and, and you wouldn't actually want to access all that funds because you'd have to match it from your end. Um, for a huge building, um, and, and you know some of the biggest ones here might be like the Bowman or the, the Catholic Church, um, you know that money doesn't quite seem quite as significant. Um, uh, the... I guess what I'd like to know also is if uh, that money is available but it's only left to the owners and that's not really doable, does the city um, where a building is located have some responsibility for having a fund available or putting money towards okay. maintaining those buildings that have been designated, whether by the municipality or by the province? Um, the, from, from a designated perspective, the answer is no. The city doesn't have any tax dollars to give, uh, has chosen not to allocate any anyways to protected sites. The city does fund the Downtown Revitalization Committee, um, and, and I don't know next year's allotment, but, but last year was about $75,000 that would go to um, maintaining or repairing facades of historic buildings downtown. So, so it's a bit of a mixed answer there. Um, th there is, uh, I guess, some limitations to that uh, in terms of the v amount of money.